We have now taken over your radio. My mic still's not on. Here we are. Oh, that's why I miss you, Serge. Pew, pew. Oh, jeez. Oh, my goodness. Um, my name is Neil Noonan. This is Gamer Runs. I am behind the board for the first time in my life, and uh, it wasn't the best start, but uh, nonetheless, here we are. Uh, this is Gamer Runs here on 101.5 UMFM, and like I said, Serge Kanda is not here today. He's getting schooled, just like Jared said, but alongside me, I have my near-dear friend and assistant coach for our basketball team here, Lionel Chabot. Hi there. Thanks for having me on. <laughs> of course. Uh, we actually tried to do this a while ago. Um, I don't know if you remember. I don't even know when it was, if it was either in early January or late December, where there was this wicked snowstorm. And we planned on having you over, and we also had a basketball practice afterwards at the same time. And I went to go, I think I was, I planned to pick you up, if I'm not mistaken. That's right. Yeah, I remember that now, yeah. Yeah, and... Um, it was one of those first snowfalls in Winnipeg where I, I've never actually seen this before like it was, but all the way down South Pamina, probably all the way from Bison Drive, like the campus, to Bishop Grandin was a complete just vehicle lock. And all there was probably maybe 16 to 20 buses all in the right-hand lane, all just trying to turn on the Bishop. And I got to the point where I had to call you and say, like, I can't come get you it's either i get to the campus to go on the show or we're both gonna be late but i'm glad we have you here here regardless well thanks again for having me yeah that was uh that was quite a, a snowfall i remember that standing outside thinking oh, i don't know if he's gonna make it here in time <laughs> yeah and now the snow's melting uh, today's probably not the best day but um i love this time of year I love this time of year. People think I'm crazy when I say this is my favorite time of year because everyone thinks it's gross. Uh, the snow's melting. It's dirty. But I just have the best memories of this time of year with March where not only is there March Madness in college basketball, but for local basketball, as far as Winnipeg goes, this is when it all goes down. Playoffs are finishing. Uh, provincials is starting. And then even after that, I know we have a bunch of memories going back to, like, we would always go to Grand Forks around this time like spring breaks coming up for um <clears throat> pardon me for school and we would always go down to this grand am tournament grand forks me you and all the friends all the team and uh what was the hotel we always stayed in the road king the Inn, road king <laughs> yeah which is no longer a hotel apparently really yeah they've changed it to some other king hotel oh man just changed the brand name yeah um, some of the best memories, uh, our good friend Brett, his mom, uh, Donna, who we all love, would always <laughs> hook up just the best deals. We'd always get the suites or uh, the hotel or the rooms like right by the pool or whatever it may be. But I love this time of year. I love this time of year. And I'm glad I had you on at this time of year because there's not much going on in the NBA. Right. Yeah, there really isn't. The seating's pretty much set. You know who's going to be there. You know who's not. Yeah. And it's... I don't want to say it's the dog days, but it really is. Um, and I know Jay Skeets made this point on the starters probably a week or two ago. Usually this is the time where people start talking about the MVP race. Yeah. MVP race is something that people talk about all year, all season, but this one's kind of been decided ever since, I would say, November. Right. You yeah. know, uh, Curry's been on this out-of-this-world uh, streak. And I don't want to spend another hour like we did last time talking about Curry, but there's no MVP discussion anymore. Right. Who's yeah. even number two? I don't even know, like, Durant, and they're not even playing well. LeBron's been a bum just saying Da Vinci Code tweets and stuff. Like, I don't know. There's not much to talk about in the NBA. So if any week Serge took a week off to do his homework, now is probably the time. Yeah, I agree. Um, I don't think there's anyone, uh, anyone else in the conversation. There's people who have been playing good stretches, but no one's comparing to the season that Curry's had. So no, I think and even when he does sure. have like a down week or something and someone else plays well, it's still, in retrospect, just looking back and the things that he's doing, it's it's dumb. It's absolutely dumb. Uh, but if we're not talking NBA, it doesn't mean that we don't have to talk about basketball. So I kind of want to go back and start from the very beginning. How in the world did you start playing basketball? I remember me 
coming in the door. I think this was grade five or six. And I think we got a WNBA pamphlet at school saying like there's a new basketball league starting. And I know my dad always wanted me to play hockey and soccer just like him. And I come home. Uh, this was kind of right around the time of Vince Carter as well, which right. for sure was a huge influence for me. And yep. I'm like, Dad, I'm going to play basketball. How did it happen for you? Uh, it was a lot different for me. Um, I was always in different places. I uh, My family situation wasn't always uh, the best, so I always had to try to find places to be that were free and open gyms were uh were a big part of that so you know you play different sports um soccer you know uh floor hockey and basketball and i just took a shining to basketball um and i had a friend who had started playing it so i joined in and uh and that was my story now was that our friend that uh, previously mentioned friend brett foster yes yeah it was in fact yes it was uh it was around grade three i would have been eight i believe it was when i started playing yeah yeah, so that was uh, that was my story there. So I want to hear a little bit more about your story, actually. So you came home. What did your, what did your dad say? It was say? such a, I don't, you know how you kind of build memories up for yeah. better or for worse in your head? And you just kind of reconstruct them as your life goes on. Years pass, and then you just remember these vivid things. But I almost remember it from like a third point of view. Uh, we live in the same house we do now. And I, I could just remember coming through the door and my dad just like sitting there on the couch, whatever he's doing. And I'm just like, I want to play basketball. I just had this pamphlet, this WNBA pamphlet, which I mean, is still growing. It's a massive part of the basketball community here in Winnipeg. Definitely. The Winnipeg Minor Basketball Association, for those who do not know. Shout out to Darcy Koss. And it wasn't long before I was playing for Waverly Heights Community Club, you know? And it wasn't just me. Um, one of my old coaching buddies as well Travis Rubinick played um, and a lot of guys from my school which was then Bairdmore Elementary and I said this uh, a couple minutes ago Vince Carter had a huge influence I know I was number 15 I've only wore two numbers my entire life it was five which was basically every year after the first couple and then 15 which is what I started with why 15 who do you think Vince Carter right and it was, what, 2000, 2001 when he had that dunk contest, which would make us nine years old. Yes, that's right. right. So right around this Great time, five, right? Yeah. And that was and still is a legendary dunk contest. And the Raptors were still a young up-and-coming franchise who never really did anything until Vince and then his younger cousin T-Mac came in. Right. And I, I wasn't really an NBA fan for a long time but Vince was he kind of transcended the NBA just with the stuff that he was doing and who doesn't like dunks right yeah exactly you know and it wasn't before long I was, I was playing again for Waverly Heights and my dad started coaching and it got to the point I, I I was probably the first year but there were so many kids in our area that we had two Waverly Heights teams yep Waverly 1 and Waverly 2. And the Waverly Heights, whatever team it was, 1 or 2, but we would always have the kids from Bairdmore, so south of Bison Drive, like south of campus. And your team would always have the kids north of Bison Drive from like Chancellor and Bonnie Castle. And it would just be this huge rivalry, Waverly 1 versus Waverly 2. Yeah, I think it was uh, it was a big deal back in uh, back in the day and uh and you and you and Waldner were a, were a big part of that rivalry. I remember <laughs> lots of hatred until uh, until I actually had met you in grade seven uh, at uh, at Leech. There, that was the hatred was real. It was. It was so real, and it was. Of course, it was a rivalry because we were wearing the same jerseys. It was either red or black. We would just flip it. And we were two of the better teams. Yeah, we always had to go through each other to get to the uh, right? finals. So, and there would be we stole two of them. There would be other teams like Richmond Kings with our good friend Jordan Chudrick. Yep. And um, then there would be Earl Gray. Do you remember Tanner Jacobson? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> right. Yeah, and then Fort Gary with Adrian Suar. Yeah. Oh man, that was some real hate. Too. And uh, Southdale with Rob Schellenberg. Man, like. It was crazy uh, playing this kind of just most of the South End teams regardless, but um, the hatred was absolutely real. We all hated each other. We didn't know each other, but it was just competitive basketball, 
And mind you, we're still 12, 13 years yeah. old, right? Yep. And it, you're right. It didn't. It took until we all went to the same school. We met up at Arthur E. Leach for grade seven basketball. And uh, that's kind of where it went. And we brought both of these teams together. And we ended up going on, I would probably say, the best run in the city for the next four or five years. Right. Um, I know our gym, their then gym, gym teacher, pardon me, Mr. Weeks, Mike Weeks, who a lot of you know, used to play for the Bisons. Um, now he's vice principal for FRC. Uh, absolutely a mentor of mine. But he saw us in grade seven, and he's like, "Oh man, I'm in for uh, I'm in for a treat for the next couple of years." And I know we had a phenomenal grade eight year when we started actually playing competitive basketball. Like those grade seven tournaments were. Yeah, you basically got bused <laughs> to a school. Yeah. They would drop you off there and you would play five on five in the full court, half court of yeah. the gym. And, uh, and I don't even think there were referees. <laughs> no, the full court, half court. No, the referees were probably just some grade eights or nines that put on like right. a volunteer shirt. And they're like, have you played or watched basketball before? Uh, here's a whistle. That's basically what it was. But then we started grade eight basketball, which was when we actually started, I don't want to say traveling because that makes it sound like we actually <laughs> did get on a bus and go around, but our parents would drive us uh, to these schools around the city and we would start playing all these teams. Uh, Acadia, just down the road, again, with our good friend Jordan and uh, whatever school it, it may be, like Oakenwald and stuff and Fort Gary, HGI. Yep. And we were unbelievable. All that hatred that went towards the Waverly 1 versus Waverly 2 uh, rivalry kind of worked for us positively in the end. Yeah, I mean, it uh, definitely made for more competitive play during the WNBA years. And uh, I I don't remember it being a thing as soon as we got to grade 7. I, I feel like it just disappeared. It, it's like, okay, I guess we have to deal with each other now. Yeah. Might as well make the best of it. Yeah. And uh, I feel we really did that. That was a... That was a heck of a time, for sure. That's a good point. I don't really remember, like, say, the first few days of grade 7. Actually, I do remember the first day of grade 7. We had to stand outside near the kind of Markham doors in lines on in the grass, like, waiting for... Oh, it was weird. I don't, whatever. But uh, I don't remember, like, the hatred first day. Like, we were all just kind of, like, a little shy of, like, oh, now we're seeing each other off the court. Yep. <laughs> and yep. we all just... Nice little South End boys uh, kind of shook hands and went on our way. But um, we had a great, great eight year. I think we lost in... What was it? The semis or the, or the finals or whatever it may be. In yeah, provincials. we didn't... Uh, we didn't make it all the way. We did win the divisional title for our division. Yeah. But uh, didn't end up making it the full way, I believe. Yeah. And then in grade nine, we got our which in retrospect was a complete ass move getting these brand new jerseys with our names on the back in grade nine. We kind of look like bumblebees too. Yep. There was these bright gold awful. uniforms with black stripes. I remember the the shorts were like pants. Yeah, they, they were, were massive. Way too long. <laughs> I, it's funny now. I didn't, I didn't remember this until now. I actually... I, I'm not a very religious person, but I remember before or once we ordered our jerseys, I remember actually praying that it would fit me and make sure that it would fit. Like it, I cared about it so much about these jerseys fitting, and I would have like nightmares about just swimming in these things or it would be too tight or something because, I mean, basketball is still a very important part of my life, but that's all it was. You know, in grade nine, like it was yeah. that, and um, just girls probably. Yeah, I remember the <laughs> uh, I remember the days in grade nine. Uh, you would show up at seven a.m. and uh, there would be about forty people waiting. Yeah, outside as well. The janitor would let you in, and uh, the balls would be ready for you to shoot around, and we would play. 40 on 40. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or 20 on 20. It's complete gong Whoever show. showed up versus the grade nines. It was uh, it was always a good time. I think that was uh, one of my favorite school years for sure. Lots of uh lots of just positive uh positive gameplay and positive attitudes. No doubt. Get around in that school at that year. I really felt that We was, that yeah, was we had an incredible culture there at Leech. It was awesome. We had a great like our as good as we were and as much as fun we had playing basketball, it seemed like the girls were complete kind of opposite of us with volleyball. Um, we ended up winning the provincial championship that year, our first, which I'll never forget. And then the girls won their provincial volleyball title at the same time. 
And you're right. Like that culture that we had, um, even getting up in the morning is something that I really believe that Mike Weeks installed. He was the one that was up early getting the balls out for us and letting us play and I just remember going to class just dripping sweat wouldn't even care I don't even think I wore jeans in grade seven eight or nine right yeah you know it's just always shorts sweats uh I I didn't even think about jeans not until high school right yeah and then you had to try to fit in but uh, yeah (laughs) yeah I mean that was that was the thing you didn't have to try to fit in you were accepted no matter what it felt like there. So yeah. uh, I think that basketball is a huge part of that, and I can still remember the crowds of people sitting on those weird stairs that they have there. Yeah, those, yeah, the people, stair bleachers. People you want coming to back to the school after supper to come watch us play, which is uh, it was just pretty phenomenal when you think about it. Yeah, I remember we played our, I believe it was our semifinal game, or it might have been like in divisionals against Calvin in grade 9, and it was a home game. It was probably one of our last home games. I think it was our last home game. And just the whole thing was packed. You know, for a junior high, having all of those seat stands packed and then the upper kind of standing spot. And it was crazy. We even had rows of people sitting on the floor, like, before the sideline. Uh, It was awesome. And it had everything to do with the culture and just everyone wanting to support, not just our team, but this, this was about all of our teams, too. Um, it was an awesome place to go to school. It was an awesome place to compete. And I'm glad we kind of topped it off with that provincial championship. Yeah, that was definitely something special. That'll always be a, a memory there of uh, of Coach Weeks, who's normally very stoic, just jumping off his <laughs> chair and screaming and running onto the court. That was uh, that was something else to see for sure. Probably do you never rem- see it again. Besides that, do you remember anything from that game? Um, I remember being very proud that for every minute that I played, their leading scorer, Janine, I think his name was. Yeah, little guy. He never scored. And uh, I always um, I always liked I don't think I played well in that game outside of defense, but I usually never did. Um, I think I had six points, and I think we won by two points. We I, won by two. 62, oh, yeah. 60, right? Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I just remember thinking, like, oh, yeah, that guy didn't score on me. That's pretty awesome. Nice. <laughs> hey, that's where you hung your hat, man, on defense. Yeah, that's right? my favorite part of basketball. I, uh, it, it's funny because um, me and Lionel both coach uh, at FRC right now. And I tried to talk about this to our guys at the beginning of the week, which win or lose uh, with Provincials this weekend, this is our last week, right? The finals is next Tuesday. Yep. And uh, regardless, win or lose, this is our last week of basketball for for the grade 10 boys. And I tried to really kind of bring it home for them in retrospect. A lot of the winning and losing doesn't matter, right? And you're going to remember all these fun times you had with your guys off the court, even on the court. But um, these games and the championships and whatever really don't mean much in the grand scheme of things. And we're here 10 years later. That was in 2000. Six, right? So it literally was 10 years later right. when we won our grade or our first provincial championship in grade nine. And we could barely remember anything. Yeah. I, I, I can't remember anything besides like another vivid memory of mine is I was staring at the basket away from the scoreboard and hearing the buzzer go. I did not know if we were winning or not. Yeah. And looking back and being like, no way, guest 62, home 60. And I was like, oh, we like we did it. We did it. And um, we actually had like one of those Disney movie, again, with the culture, like everybody was out there. We played at Sizzler. Yeah. Wait, it's 30 minutes away from all of our homes, but we had a massive crowd. Right, exactly. And uh, we actually had one of those Disney moments with everyone like coming onto the court, you know, and the hugs and the cheers. And like you said, stoic Mr. Weeks jumping up and down and uh, uh, absolutely surreal moment. But bringing it back, like besides those kind of memories, I don't remember anything about the basketball. You know, I know no one else remembers we won in grade nine. No one else cares. Right, exactly. No one really cares at all because I know I don't know in the last 10 years who else won grade nine. Exactly. Yeah, no, no idea. Right. Um, And then when we went to FRC in grade 10, we repeated, right? We played Sisler again. Shout out to Janine and the friends. (laughs) We kept stumbling them. But no one cares, you know? And all the things that we do remember are the off-court stuff, uh, the friendships that we made. Like, we're still here together 10 years later, right? Exactly. Um, and then all the guys that we've mentioned in the past, like, 15 minutes, like uh, Brett and Jordan, who we still see 
all the time. Uh, those friendships and the stories are the things that last. And the basketball part, as much as it means a lot to you in the time, it doesn't last, you know? Yeah, I think that's very true. I mean, the most of the stuff that I take away from playing basketball either applies to habits and the way that I look at things, um, I would say, in uh, in different perspectives, uh, or just work ethic, knowing what it takes to to be good at your job, knowing to be detail-oriented and all that kind of good stuff. Uh, a lot of that I attribute to playing basketball. Um, so yeah. a lot of that has nothing to do with whether or not I played well in a game or whether or not we won or lost. It's uh, a lot about, I guess, the time spent playing and learning about life. Mm-hmm. It's that's crazy. I think that's it's so important to to play a sport, any sport really. It just gives you a lot of different experience and perspective and tools that you can lo- use for your whole entire life. So right. definitely very important. I can see why it's so well funded. People always say it's it's overly funded, but there's a reason why, and it's because of the success that it creates for so many people. Hundred percent. It just develops so much character and you build that work ethic and that competitive drive like you were saying and then it 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 means so much having coaches and being able to instill their values in you and stuff like that and that attention to detail i know is something that coach weeks absolutely instilled in us and it really that's the kind of thing that i'm thinking about now in my early coaching career i've now coached for this being my third year and I came in being so excited to teach basketball, right? And I thought about, I was like, oh, man, I've been I've been playing all this time and uh, watching NBA and all these, I have all these ideas and all this stuff that uh, different coaches that I had used to do. And I was so excited to try and do these things with, I don't want to say my own group of kids, but it like that's the way I saw it. And I'm slowly learning in these three years. But talking about this now, um, I start thinking about just as we don't remember a lot of the basketball stuff, we remember the things that we learned, the stories and stuff like that. How can I change my coaching philosophy, philosophy, pardon me, to change or to make that happen? Right. So like, what am I teaching these guys? And it, it really didn't occur to me as much before until this year, but uh, asking my grade tens, this year like what did i teach you and then being like hmm what did coach noonan actually teach me right and a lot of them will say be on time because i've always had this rule of you need to be at practice 15 minutes before or you were running and most of the time we'd be running and now they'll even show up 15 minutes before their varsity practice even though i'm not coaching because they're just used to it right so that's a small example but Hopefully, that's the kind of stuff that they'll actually take on throughout the rest of their life. So now the way I think about things, and I mentioned this to you actually yesterday, where this is the time of year where I know it's the end of the season and want to put 100% of the focus into this team, but I can't help but think about next year. Like, what am I going to do different next year? Or what's going to change? What are the kind of things that I want to value and stuff like that? And these life lessons or these life values putting them into the philosophy and trying to teach them actual actually something that can translate on the court but is it can absolutely do the same thing off of it right so the being on time thing or thinking about things that you can control and just not worrying about things you can't and stuff like that right yeah and being able to like go to their parents and go to them and say i am going to teach you this this and this this year and whether we win or lose you're gonna go away with these values Right. So these are the kind of things that I'm thinking about now after three years of coaching. And I can't help but think of how other coaches have developed their thoughts and philosophies for the like coaching for 20 years or 50 years, whatever it may be. Right. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. They, it probably goes through phases, I imagine, where you start off thinking, OK, what do I need to do to win? Exactly. Yeah. And then you change your mentality to, OK, now I realize I can't win everything. What do I need to do to win games? through coaching this way or coaching that way or coaching this way and then probably just gets to a point where you are teaching just philosophies and teaching Mm -hmm. uh, about life and stuff like that while through basketball Uh, and then I guess eventually I'm assuming those guys who do a well enough job uh, 
that way they go on to coach, you know, Coach K and Coach things like that, where they know what it takes to win both sides. They know what plays that you need to win. They know what attitudes that you need to have to win, and they can put that together, and that's what makes them more successful. I think that's probably what point you get to after that kind of long, um, long-time coaching. Yeah, uh, something that Coach Calipari always talks about and something that you just kind of reminded me of, he, when somebody asks him, like, did you do a good job coaching John Wall? or something or did you do a good job coaching whoever it doesn't matter if they're an nba superstar or somebody that didn't even see the floor on his kentucky team and he says i won't know the job i did coaching until five years down the road and that's just really puts things in perspective in the way at least he thinks about things and he has an amazing program as far as winning goes yeah definitely has a lot to do with the people he has there but it's also him bringing those people in but if he's thinking about it that way you know, uh, I can't imagine what kind of things that he talks about with his guys all the time, right? So it's not, it can't be just X's and O's because that's the, that stuff doesn't matter five years down the road. John Wall's playing a different offense than he did in Kentucky, yeah. right? Um, it's the kind of things like what kind of man he is and stuff like that. So it's, it's an amazing part of coaching as far as the progression. And then another thing, I, like I said, I've been coaching for three years now, but seeing the guys that are in grade 12 now, and seeing them progress from like boys to men, really. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out to boys to men. Uh, like being in grade 10, you really are a boy, right? And grade 12, you're becoming a young man, you know? And this age, at that age, it's an incredible, not only like a physical growth spurt, but mentally too. Like you're really becoming who you are. And I could go back to, like I said before, like Coach Weeks is a huge mentor of mine. And then different people that I've had in my life at that time. Um, Jay Gammy, who was another coach, who is still one of my bosses now and current mentor as well. <laughs> that at that age, they had so much to do with my growth and development, not even on the court, but off the court as well. So being able to kind of step back and realize the impact that you're having on these kids whether you think so or not, you know, like it's, it's a, we've talked about this a lot, but it, it takes up so much of our time. It does. Yes. Right. <laughs> yes, it does. Take, taking up is maybe the wrong thing, but. Uh. Sure. If you spin it positively, I mean, I wouldn't be doing anything else. Right. Um, I know you love it as well. Yeah. Definitely so. Has, uh, has grown on me as, as far as, as quickly as it could. Right. What did you think when I first asked you to help coach this year? I was very surprised that um that you would ask me because before prior to that we we talked about basketball and stuff but it wasn't all the time uh it's not like uh, we were constantly in contact with each other or i had even shown any interest in it um so i was very surprised uh i had to admit um i was believing that you were trying to get as many people onto the court as possible to see who sticks, to be honest with you. I was like, wait, maybe he's full. Maybe he's grabbing here. He needs somebody. So I, uh, I love basketball, but I hadn't touched one in maybe four years at that point. So, uh, so I jumped at the opportunity to do it, and uh, I think that it was a good decision for me. It's definitely a great and positive experience. But as far as you, uh, you asking me, very surprised, to be honest with you, because I had no experience coaching. Yeah. Well, to give you my side of it, um, absolutely. I wouldn't say that I asked a bunch of people. Um, I know Stephen Rolko, who helped me coach the previous year, got into education to him. Uh, pardon me, got into education this year and knew that he wasn't going to be able to coach as much as he used to. Uh, and anybody listening to this who has coached by themselves knows how difficult it is and it has nothing to do with having things your way you need someone there to just back you up (laughs) right toss ideas off of uh talk to one another and stuff like that and honestly it is the more the merrier the more people you can have on the court the more set of eyes the more personal coaching you can have and so forth but um what I was really thinking of is it had really, I mean, as much as you played basketball, it was just being a positive male role model, right? Mm-hmm. And I don't want to give myself a lot of credit thinking about what I was talking about for the last 10 minutes, but um, that matters almost as more as the basketball expertise because they are grade 10 boys. They don't know everything, right? Right? They're not like NBA players where if you say something wrong, they're going to be like, oh, I can't trust this guy anymore. Right, yeah. you can say something wrong to a grade ten boy, and they'll be like, "All right, okay." <laughs> then they'll try it and whatever, and then you can like change your mind. 
And uh, it's part about growing. Like, we're not very old either, like 24, 25. So we're still learning the game of basketball. There's tons to learn. But being a positive real male role model, I think, is probably the highest priority. Yeah. And regardless if we were talking day-to-day or, or not during that time, um, I knew I had to ask you. And it turned out great. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I like, I, I I know you didn't know how much time you could commit and it probably turned into maybe 95 percent of the time. Yeah, I ended up being there for, for most of it, I'd say, aside from a, a little bit of a vacation. But, uh, but yeah, I know I don't think I would uh, I don't think I would have it any other way. I definitely caught the bug. What do you mean caught the bug? Well, it's uh, it's very interesting to be as passionate about something and seeing it from a different perspective um, and taking the time to know that. Well, you are a part of it, even though it's it's not you playing anymore. It's uh, it is a you are a part of uh, of something there, and uh, and you're helping to uh, instill these values in these young men. Very interesting part of uh, part of coaching, and I I really like that part of it. Yeah, no doubt. It's uh, the bug is a great way to put it because. As much as I say we spend 10, 15 hours like physically with these guys, a couple practices a week, games, tournaments, whatever it may be, it consumes my mental space for the better part of every day. Right. You know? <laughs> and uh, always thinking about uh, whether a guy rolled his ankle, if a guy's talking about he has tests this weekend or whatever, like a guy can't afford his own pair of shoes. And then all the on-court stuff, right? Like how can we teach this guy how to dribble with his head up? How can we teach this guy to not turn over the ball and protect it and then how do we instill all these values all at the same time and what's important what's not important how do we go from practice to game and keeping things positive while teaching them like so many different things and you can read all the books in the world you can listen to all the coaches on podcasts you can watch the nba whatever it may be um but i really think it's something that you learn while doing which is a lot of things, right? I mean, like anything you do, uh, a lot of you're going to learn from. But um, I really tossed you in the fire, <laughs> yeah. for, for lack of a better term. It was very interesting. Uh, I know that even even a week ago, uh, I will drive home and think, wow, Neil knows a lot of stuff about basketball that I have no idea about. Um, and the the fact that you can watch a game and create plays and things like that, uh, on the fly or make adjustments and things like that, I always think to myself, wow, would I be able to do that? I don't know. I don't think that I could. Um, but it's it's got to be something that I guess you uh, you have to learn to adjust to. And uh, and it, it kind of still just amazes me that uh, that they got someone so um, so well-rounded and well-versed in basketball to me. I, I think that, uh, that they really did luck out when I think about all the coaches that I've had, there's a couple that stick out as uh, as really good coaches. But uh, after working with you, I do believe that uh, that those boys are pretty lucky. Oh, I appreciate that, man. I'm blushing now. <laughs> um, but I, like, that's obsessing over something. Right. Absolutely obsessing over something. And basketball again is a huge part of my life. I have a me and Serge more or less. We do have an hour long radio show that again is something that we prepare and talk about like a lot and. Um, basketball is a huge part of my life and it's not just the playing and the, but it's the coaching and it's the writing and it's the listening and, and all that stuff. But, um, that didn't come out of nowhere. Like it's, it's me just constantly obsessing over things and having the whiteboard out when I'm watching an NBA play or NBA game. Right. Right. And it doesn't even have to be president Brad Stevens. Uh, but if I'm watching, say poor old Byron Scott on the Lakers and I see an aftertime outplay that I really like having my whiteboard out and say can I draw that can I draw what I just saw um, and just practicing that and then as far as like just the communication and talking to the guys I I think I've always been I don't want to say a good talker but uh, a fairly good communicator and trying to keep things simple and being able to work with kids I think is something that I've had a great opportunity to do, but it's something that I've done for a long time. I mentioned Jay Gammy before, but he was my old basketball coach, but now he's the director of MinU Children's Programs on campus. And I've worked there for this being my 10th year, which is crazy to think about. Right, yeah. But I've worked with kids for a long time, and communicating with kids and young adults is much different than adults, you know? And it's like anything, I mentioned it again, um... The more you do something, 
the more comfortable you're going to get with it, right? right? But I still see all these things in basketball that people say this all the time, but when you start learning a lot about something, you slowly or quickly realize how much you don't know. Yeah. You know? Tip of the iceberg type situation for exactly. sure. Exactly. And basketball is a great one for me where I – another vivid memory of mine where I remember sitting down at the dinner table. This was probably five years ago. It was a while ago. This is when I first started getting into the NBA but, like, obsessive about the NBA, maybe 2010, 11 kind of thing, after high school. And I remember telling my parents, like, I don't think there's anybody just really snotty, nose up in the air. I don't think there's anybody in the city that knows more about NBA than I do. (laughs) I remember those exact words coming right out of my mouth and um, so confident knowing, like, I read everything. I watch all the games. I listen to all the podcasts. I know everything. And I, it's part of maturity, I guess. But the more I read and the more I watch and the more I just hear other people talk about the game in general, it's not just the NBA, is how little I do know. But that makes me want to learn more, you know? And it's cool being passionate about something and being able to spend energy on something positive, right. you know? Um, but the coaching thing has kind of merged both things for me where it's working with kids and actual the game of basketball right so uh swinging it over to you though like as far as this entire season's gone it's gone by quick it has <laughs> it's crazy to think about how it's already mid-march and it's coming to a close but um as far as your learning curve i mean i've seen you change from a different coach at the beginning till now but what do you think was your biggest learning curve or things that you've learned in the past three to four months i have to say um I'd have to say that it would be uh, just how to speak with the with the uh, the kids um, and how to kind of address them kind of on their level. Um, it, it kind of just uh, communicating and learning how to organize them or how to how to motivate and uh, and how to kind of teach them um in different ways than uh, than i would just say okay do x thing it's not ever going to be that simple it seems uh with 15 year olds it's okay do this and they say what is that (laughs) and you got to tell oh that's something you should probably know (laughs) (laughs) but okay i can show you that um that's that's probably the biggest thing that i've learned is just how um how you can communicate something and uh and learn uh how little someone can know but how to also say okay that's fine let's do this now um that's kind of the thing that i felt i've learned there as well as um i think a big turning point for me in the season was after our trip um and i read all of the surveys and they all said you need to talk more <laughs> <laughs> right which, which the kids wrote about you yeah it was yeah. 90 it was 90 percent of them that said uh you seem like you have good ideas can you just tell them to us <laughs> and uh <laughs> I just took that. I was like, okay, yeah, maybe maybe it's been long enough now that I should be more comfortable with you guys. And so uh, it's something that you just kind of have to jump headfirst into, it seemed like. And, and that's how I took it at that point. And, and now it seems like I'm uh, I'm getting along greatly with them now. It's tough finding your spot in your role as an assistant coach. Right. You know, and especially being like new to coaching in general, where it's just the confidence factor. Right, and your confidence has grown immensely. A funny word. I, I'm never saying that again. It's grown a lot since the beginning of the season till now. And you're right. Since we did have those, like we we put together kind of like a survey for them to to write down their feelings and thoughts about the the season so far. And when we asked them to reflect on ourselves as coaching, that was predominantly what they said about you. Right, like right. Coach Lionel looks like he's got great ideas. We would love to hear them. And you were absolutely, you took that um, and you used it. And you're much more vocal now. And I know they appreciate it. But I, I know that feeling as well of being an assistant coach and just trying to find your way. I even feel that way now when I'm helping the varsity guys. Like, I'm not there at every practice. I'm not there at every game. So I'm not sure 100% on the different things that they've been working on. And as much as I feel confident in my knowledge of the game, I don't want to say the wrong thing that takes away from what, say, Coach Ogo was saying, right, as a varsity guy. So 
Um, it's it's a weird spot. And even when I was helping Travis coach a few years back, it's knowing what he wants from me. It's knowing where my role is on the team with the kids and stuff like that and not crossing paths, I guess, with the coach. And it's it's a tough spot to be in. Yeah, I definitely, uh, I definitely agree. Um, there were what five of us at one point, including Peter, I guess, or he was there for at least. Yeah, one Peter game. and Jordan helped out, and then Coach Rolke was there for a bit. Yeah. So, being there and not knowing anything really about coaching, it's hard. I was I was struggling with what do I do? Yeah. Like, how do I insert myself into a conversation where? Uh, where predominantly you're speaking or then if that happens and Rocco speaks and then it would be kind of odd to be speaking again, throwing something new out there again. <laughs> yeah. So I really had a hard time with that and I thought maybe my best role was just to um, to be there and be available and be there for you more or less to, uh, to bounce ideas off of. I honestly was not thinking that I would be talking much to them at all. Um, I figured that you would do the majority of the heavy lifting for that aspect, and then I was going to be there to, you know, uh, do the whole assistant coach thing of med kit and back tracking <laughs> yeah. and all that kind of stuff. I never, a I glorified manager. I didn't think that that was going to be a problem, but uh, but then they said, hey, I, we want to hear from you. So I thought to myself, oh, I guess they, they actually do want to hear from me so I can speak up more. And it helped that Rocco did take a bit of a, a, a vacation there. Uh, to take care of his other teams and, uh, and his schoolwork and whatnot. Uh, so it gave me a little bit more of an opening to open up those lines right, of communication, yeah. too. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, that was, uh, that was something I struggled with, was, uh, was where do I fit in and yeah. how do I talk to them? No doubt. No doubt. It's a, it's a tough spot to be in. Um, I, I'm, it's probably all the way through the ages, right, as an assistant coach. Yeah. Right, because you want to be able to communicate the same message, right? You want to be a kind of united friend. And it's tough to find your spots, right? And I talk a lot. I talk a lot on the show. I just talk a lot in general. So I can understand being standing beside me being like, when is it my turn? Should I just repeat what he just said? Or should I, whatever it may be. Um, I get it for sure. Absolutely. I just uh, never wanted to throw you up. I don't think I've even said anything in a huddle ever to this day. Like, yeah. Until this point in the season, I don't think I've ever said anything in a huddle. But you always guy, you, you bring guys off like, Personally, and you talk. I to them, will yeah. talk to them yeah. personally, and um, I will give you pointers before the huddle. But that huddle is yours. <laughs> <laughs> that is definitely that huddle is definitely yours, and for good reason. You always have. Uh, I, I noticed that it's okay. First, we're talking about offense. Now we're talking about the defensive end, and here are the three things that we need to do. And that's something that I I uh, I think is really important for them to to just focus in on it. I feel like if I bring something else into it, it's going to detract away from the conversation. And I, that's kind of the reason I've always stuck out of it. I love the guys, but they are 15-year-old boys and they are dumb, right? So <laughs> having a simple message. Exactly. And even like, you'll you'll ask the guy 10 seconds after the huddle and be like, what are we doing? And they're like, oh, idiots, right? Right. Oh, love them, but... They're they're fifteen year old boys. Uh, we're gonna take a quick time out here. I got some ads I'm gonna play, and uh, we'll be right back here on Gamer Runs one hundred one point five UMFM. The Winnipeg Arts Council is pleased to welcome best-selling New York Times author Gary Steingart as he sits down for an in-depth conversation with Bill Richardson on Thursday, March 24th. Steingart has won over readers and audiences alike with his blistering humor, satirical takedowns of contemporary society, and his compassionate examination of modern love and loss. His recent memoir, Little Failure, speaks directly to the American immigrant story with heart, humor, and biting wit. Tickets for this intimate conversation only $15, available at winnipegarts.ca. The event takes place at 8 p.m. on Thursday, March 24th at the Cirque Moliere. The Arts Matters Conversation Series features artists, critics, and thinkers from around the world, giving Winnipeg citizens the opportunity to think about why art matters in their own lives. Don't miss Gary Steingart in conversation with Bill Richardson on Thursday, March 24th, presented by the Winnipeg Arts Council and proudly supported by UMFM 101.5. to the Cinematheque March 2nd to 9th at 7pm is Macbeth, starring Michael Fassbender as Shakespeare's tragic ruler who commits multiple murders to protect his throne. 
followed by Roomful of Spoons, March 3rd to 17th. A look at The Room, which is considered to be one of the worst movies ever made. For more info, check us out online at winnipegcinematech.com. Welcome back to Game Runs here on 101.5 UMFM. I've already been told by two people that hopefully none of the 15-year-old boys you coach are listening to this show. Both station manager and uh, my girlfriend both texted me saying, ah, yeah, they're, you shouldn't probably be calling them idiots, but uh, whatever. They, they are. I'd say it to their face. I love them. Um, before we end the show, we got about 15 minutes. Or so. How fast does it fly by? Yeah, it flew by. Definitely. I uh, definitely thought we would only be talking for about half an hour at most yeah so uh, we're almost done that's crazy yeah it's it's nuts being on this side of the mic i guess and not listening and being like how fast things go and when you start writing things down topics like oh yeah we could talk about that for like two minutes five minutes whatever it may be and then all of a sudden you're like oh the show's almost done yeah right? it's crazy um wrapping up though in retrospect as far as going back to the beginning of season is there anything that you wish you would have known or changed I wish we would have known more about the players that we were going to be having on the team. Yeah. Um, there was one particular player that uh, we, I guess, lost, I would say, to varsity. Um, I wish that situation was handled better. Uh, in all honesty, I wish that situation ended up with um, with him feeling more comfortable instead of being kind of in that um Am I a big fish in the small pond or am I a little fish in the ocean kind of a situation? Um, I wish that that was handled a little bit better. And I wish we knew more about the guys coming in, uh, where they were um, skill-wise. Yeah. Um, As far as things that I would have changed uh, for coaching, I wish I was talking the whole time. (laughs) I wish I, I wish that was one thing that I that I did a better job of was uh, was communicating and getting a rapport with uh, with them. Uh, I wish that um, we worked a little more on skills and conditioning. I think would be a bigger part of it, and just nailing down these are the important things, and continually every single you know practice and after every game to nail down those things of we didn't do this, we didn't do that, yeah, we could have done this better. This is what we're going to do in practice. Okay, now we're going to move on to, you know, ball handling or shooting or, or whatever it is. Uh, I wish we had more time for skills. Um, I can see how hard it was because I, I was there the whole time, so I know that there isn't much time for skill work. And unless the guys are willing to come and uh, and shoot around and, and do that um, extra stuff on top of their uh, already uh, large amount of time that they spend at the at the school, um, that's hard. Uh, but it's something that I think we should uh, try to focus on as coaches is is making sure that the skills are there. Because, like you said, wins and losses don't really matter at the end of uh, at the end of the season. No one's going to remember it. But those skills are great to have, um, even just for playing men's league. Yeah, and it's something that you hear all the time. It's like the fundamentals, right? right? The fundamentals. And I know I'm guilty of it getting so caught up in like, oh, I can't wait to teach like this set or teach this defense or, you know, and talk about this out of bounds play and all the fun basketball X's and O's stuff. But I do get why Coach Carter didn't even let them use basketballs for a long time, right? Yeah. You know, they just run, like run, run, run. Coach, we don't have an offense. What did we do in practice? Run. Like, I get it. And I I definitely thought about that last year, and I got caught up it caught up in it again this season. And mind you, our JV boys did really well in volleyball, so our practices kind of got cut, or we didn't start the season until like almost end of November, which is unusual. Yeah. But you're right; like the fundamentals are so important, and if they can't dribble, pass, and shoot, then what's the point of even running? an offense right. you know and at that age it's it's so much about developing developing <laughs> developing these skills right and just te- learning and making them into basketball players rather than working on all this team stuff that will come yeah you know and sometimes it might take a few losses early on in the season but if you're building these these habits and making sure that they're doing it day after day practice after practice and instilling these like behaviors i guess in these guys then i think that will 
kind of come out in the long run positively. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's, again, it's that time of season where you're starting to think about, like, what would you do next year? Or what would you do differently? And I can imagine after season, after season, after season, just piling these things up and learning about these things. And I'm glad you said what you did as far as, like, getting to know the guys before the season two and how much that's important. It's just, I'd say, even more important getting to know them off the court yeah. as it is on the court. And once they are able to put that trust in you where, like, yeah, these guys actually really do care about you and it's not, it's not just winning games to feed their egos, right? Um, the losses hurt us as well, too. There's this flashing light in the studio that is <laughs> going crazy. Uh, I don't know. Whatever. Um those those values and being able to teach them i only really come across if they trust you yeah you know and getting to know them off the courts i think is a big big way to get them to trust you and showing that you're putting in the time and stuff like that but um all the things that we've said previously the things that matter end up being the stories and the the funny things that happened and the friendships you made and it really has nothing to do with the the x's and o's and all that stuff if you were to start a team your own team your head coach next year what would you how would you start the season any philosophies floating around in your mind things that you would want to install in your team things that you do differently than say i would do i would keep 12 <laughs> yes, I don't think. Again, I love you guys. I don't think any of my players are listening uh, <laughs> to this show, but fourteen's a lot. Yeah, it just creates a little bit of a slower pace to practices, um, and it as hard as it is to probably cut someone from the team. I think that um, having them on the team and not being able to find a place for them is very hard. I think I would have uh, a hard time doing that as well and just saying, okay, these are our, these are our rotation guys and uh, and the rest of you are kind of sitting there. Um, it's important to have enough guys to run a smooth practice, but it's it's also important to to manage them well and uh, you can't forget about someone, you know. Then that's uh, I think we've done a good job with the amount of guys that we've had. We've been able to find uh, find minutes for every single one of them, but I think that uh, that 12 is is kind of where I would sit. Uh, as far as uh, as far as my own team goes, and then after that, it would just be about discipline, not disciplining them, but making sure that they are disciplined and recognizing okay, how do you win JV basketball? It's one from rebounding, and it's one from effort on the defensive end. The offense. That's I mean, basketball in a nutshell. It, well, that's true, <laughs> yeah. but it's more. It's way more exaggerated in JV basketball i feel i felt like because i mean the teams that can play defense that two three zone that um sturgeon heights for example runs that just can shut a team right out that's it for them a good game but uh as far as that goes i mean it's the it's the details on that side of uh, of the floor as well i mean uh we had a guy on our team that uh that i don't know if he knew that defense was part of basketball uh, for the first part of the for the first part of the season, which was hard uh, to deal with, but grown immensely, and all of them have grown immensely from where they started, and that's another great thing about coaching is seeing that as well. But that's a that's kind of where I think I would stick with is okay. Here are my key things that I think are to success, and if you don't do one of these key things, then uh, someone else is going to do it for you. Yeah. So with that being said, tonight might be our last practice. Of this entire season, which is very, I don't want to say sad, but it's it's a little bittersweet. We get a lot of time back, but I we again we love putting this time in to coaching these guys. Um, I know we'll both miss it dearly. What are your thoughts on practice tonight? We've got a big game tomorrow, first provincial game. What do you think we should focus on? We've got about an hour and a half. We're gonna cut. The first first executive decision was to cut practice half hour early. Getting home at 9.30 is much different than 10 or even after 10 as far as getting just a good sleep. And I know we're not the San Antonio Spurs, but these guys probably go home whether they're playing video games, NBA 2K or something. They need to go to bed, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, what do you think that we should focus on for the last, say, could be the last 90 minutes on our practice court this season? Um, I would say... I'm going to write these down because uh, i got to plan practice anyways. <laughs> I would say a game walkthrough. Uh, might be a good like a half speed type game walkthrough what to expect how we should perform how we should prepare 
um, and focusing on those details of what we need to do on the defensive end. What do we do when X happens? What do we do when it's a side out? How do we make sure that Connor is the guy who gets the ball in right away in case they press? All these kinds of things we have to go over. Um, not so much at this point in the season conditioning and just playing basketball, but um, last practice, let's prepare well for tomorrow, give these boys the best opportunity that they can have to go out there and execute our plan and leave it at that, leave it all on the court. Yeah. Preparedness, I think, is a great word, right? So what is something that they could throw us that we're not ready for and making sure that we're prepared for everything so that when it does come in game, which it will, being able to stay calm, stay ready, and just believe in the work that you've put in away from the game, right? Um, No, I think that's a great idea. So just going over our sets, going over our defense, even just side out, end out, um, press break our different zone offenses. We haven't seen the team that we're playing for a while, right? So who knows what kind of zone they might throw out or if it's just man-to-man. Um, and then I think as well, like that's that's a good area to keep practice light as as well, right? So as much as rest sleeping is important, not draining their whole energy tonight I think is also important. So being able to just go over the thing so that everyone is mentally ready and prepared I think it's definitely important. Um, something, we've been talking about this for most of the show, but trying to have fun this last week because these memories are the ones that are going to last. And uh, these the stories and stuff and the friendships that you made are the ones that are going to actually stick in your mind and not not the wins and the losses and stuff like that. But it's a, it's a gentle balance because you want them to focus on the game at hand and everyone's competitive. You want them to win and get them in the right mind space. But if I've learned anything coaching this age group is how fragile their mind could be, right? Yeah, definitely. For better or for worse. It's not all about basketball. I think that uh, I remember this quite vividly. Um, we were in a timeout in, in, uh, in our Edmonton trip and you said something totally unrelated to basketball, and they just started laughing, and they came out and played six solid minutes of basketball right after that. Nothing to do with basketball. I don't think you said anything really about basketball. It's just uh, you made a joke, they all laughed, they went on the court, and they started scoring. It was it's crazy. And I, I say this all the time. Uh, I almost got a tattoo on my own body, but the secret of basketball is it's not about basketball. And I really, really do believe that to my core from – being five years old, playing in the NBA, whatever it may be, I really think that is a huge lesson and just a philosophy, not only in basketball, but in life where it's not necessarily the exact thing you're doing. It's the people you're with. It's the mindset. um, It's the culture that's there. It's just the feeling of it. And it's crazy how powerful the mind could be, you know? And... At that age, especially, just not—it's—it's it's like having a very powerful weapon and not knowing how to wield it. Yeah. And I'm not going to be the—I'm not going to be the one that tells you that I know how to at the age of 25. Um, but I know how powerful it could be, you know. And uh, sometimes those negative thoughts could really eat at you, right? And I know we played a game against the number one ranked team in the city a few weeks ago, and I think we really lost that game before we even tipped off the ball yeah but it was just one of those games where just like i think we're not us personally but the guys might have thought that we're just gonna lose you know like they're the better team uh we drove all the way out here kind of thing and we're just gonna let it happen to us and then that's exactly what happened whereas we've had other games where we are mentally ready and we know that we can beat or play with this team and we end up having like a big upset Another thing that keeps me up at night as a coach is where's that balance and how what's the message that we can have to keep everything kind of as uniform as possible to have a steady message and making sure their mind is right. Because as much as we see them a lot during the week, there's a lot that we don't know that goes on, you know, like in their homes, uh, what their girlfriend's doing at school, <laughs> what their, yep. how their test was, you know, and uh Kind of what you said before, how important it is to actually get to know them as people, right? Mm-hmm, definitely. 
Yeah. Um, we're coming to a close here. Uh, thank you for coming on to the show this oh, week. Thanks for having me. Um, it was nice. As much as I love the NBA, it was nice not talking about the NBA yeah, for a while, right? Because nice get away from it, you know, you consume it, so much of it. Exactly. And uh, basketball, I love basketball more than the NBA. I love the sport. I love everything about it. And being able to just talk about it without talking about Steph Curry. Even though we did mention a lot through getting in a show, um, I think is awesome. So, again, Lionel, thank you for coming on. Uh, this is an awesome conversation. Uh, I believe Serge will be back next week, and hopefully, we got some NBA news to talk about. But uh, regardless, uh, this was an awesome conversation. I think to sum things up, though, is probably, again, the secret of basketball. Everything, like the things that happen off the court, means so much more than the things that going off of it, right? So. Yeah. Again, thank you for coming on. Um, thank you guys for tuning in for another episode here on 101.5 UMFM. We will see you next week.